mixed media music. All right, welcome to mixed media music. Today we will be talking about this piece uh, I found on Reddit called "Light of My World" by Patrick Smith, and I hope uh, Patrick is able to join us in the comments. Um, if you're here, definitely you know write something. Let us know that you're here. If not, that's okay. We'll just go ahead and review this work. If you are you know, new to our uh, podcast. We have one review a week, um, and we tend to take uh, things we find on Reddit or other parts of the internet, um, you know, works from uh, people who are sharing uh, stuff there and give our thoughts on on them. So um, I I found this piece on my, my usual uh, spot for, for finding uh, music. For this segment, our composer, and this is a bit of a different piece uh, for a lot of reasons than, than anything we've talked about so far. But I think it's uh, definitely worth worth getting into and uh, looking at it. So if I have permission to play the whole thing, I, I'd do that. So uh, I don't know, Patrick. Yeah, if you are in the chat and you'd like to say yes we can play the whole thing if not then we can listen to i don't know maybe the first like two two and a half minutes of it i don't want to play the whole piece without permission so give you a second see if you if you're in the chat to to respond um then we'll now we'll just play about i don't know maybe we'll say two two and a half minutes we'll, we'll find i'll trust your judgment irving um on a good spot to stop uh since <laughs> since i I don't have the way this thing works uh, is that I, I don't exactly have control or really much ability to even hear what uh, is played with our current setup. So, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that to your judgment. All right. If uh, if it's too soft in the chat or something, uh, if anyone's uh, got a problem with the audio, just let me know. Here we go.
gracious part uh, to stop, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to overplay too much of it. <laughs> so there we are. Okay, so uh, let's let's start with um, what the composer said about this. So um, Patrick uh, explained that he's a uh, middle middle school band director, and that this piece is kind of inspired by uh, a uh, staple of the concert band uh, literature, and uh, that it is uh, a piece composed for the birth of his first son or first child son um okay so that's a that's a pretty um pretty you know dramatic uh inspiration for this um pretty heavy pretty heavy stuff not you know like sad heavy but obviously but um yeah so we, we got some like kind of emotional uh weight to this um of course the the most immediate thing if you if you've been following these reviews most immediate difference I would say between this and anything else we've done is that this is obviously written for a uh, wind band, you know, concert band, wind ensemble, whatever you want to call that, um, not an orchestra, so no strings. And I would also say, so I, I you know, Patrick is uh, asking in Reddit, um, you know, for feedback and, you know, potential avenues for performance for this. Um, and this is something which I think is largely like, geared for, you know, a, a real um, ensemble to play this, and it is pretty much ready for performance, with maybe one or two things I would, would add, you know, or not add, but some, some things that I, I would think about maybe before putting it on someone's stand. Um, yeah, so, you know, in a lot of ways, this is, and I, I don't want to say, like, it's it's a particular kind of work that's written for a particular kind of ensemble, and it is quite mature in what it is doing. You know, really good handle on a lot of things. Um, so I would say first, you know, overall, it's just a very professional presentation, and I think you know you, Patrick, uh, you know what you are doing from your work, um, actually, you know, directing middle school bands. Although I'm not sure you're going to get too many middle schools to play this. You know, high school, uh, maybe some like, you know, community level, uh, good community level um, band. I'm sure a lot of universities would also look at this. Um, I would say, I will say that I personally, although I mostly an orchestral fan, uh, you know, as, as a composer and a uh, listener, and but I, I've done actually much more of my performance with good reason. Um, but most of my performing has actually been in wind ensembles of all sorts of calibers. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite familiar with the wind, wind band uh, world. And um, yeah, so first off, you give a really, like I said, you know, you, you, it looks like you know what you're doing. It sounds like you know what you're doing in terms of a whole bunch of standards. So your score looks fantastic. The only thing I would mention of that is that you have the interesting choice of a pairing contra I think contrabass clarinet and contrabassoon together um, and your arrangement of you know layout of the instruments which is a little odd to me because you have bassoon way up high um, even though I know those two instruments are like pretty much doing the same thing in your score I think it's more conventional to have the at least in my experience to have a uh, paired instruments like same family right so bassoon and contrabassoon together um, I think them 
might make it easier for a conductor to, to know what's going on. Um, but that's the only thing I would say about layout and notation. Um, you obviously know what standards are from having to conduct all the time. Um, and, you know, I think, like I said, you could put this on someone's stand um, and they'd play it and it would look very professional. You have a really great command, uh, again, for good reason, because I'm sure it's what you're doing all day, but you have really good command of the wind ensemble idiom. Um, even though this might be a bit higher, you know, technical level than what you probably do with your middle school students, you understand how wind ensembles uh, work and, you know, what kind of pairings are standard, what kinds of, you know, lines work and that kind of thing. Um, and, and that's, you know, so you have a, a very evident mastery of the wind ensemble idiom, which is, you know, a lot more than I see um, from, from composers I, I, I tend to find um, on, on Reddit. So, you know, so you're someone who's in de a definite command of what you're doing um, for your ensemble. Um, and also, again, probably because you spend so much time, you know, with real music um, and also teaching kids to perform that kind of stuff, you have a really great sense of idiomatic writing for each instrument. I mean, I, there may be a few things. I didn't look through every note of every instrument, but I think in general, every line looks quite, we say, idiomatic, right? Uh, quite playable. It plays to the instrument's strengths um, in different parts of the register. And it just overall orchestrated very well, you know, not just on the um, horizontal aspect of each instrument for itself, but balance of each instrument against each other, um, that sort of thing. There's some really small details in here. I'm not going to get through all of them, but some uh, one detail that really uh, stood out to me immediately, just in like the first thing about measure four um, on, in your score, it really shows me that you have a fantastic grasp on orchestration and exactly what you're doing. These small details that really enhance things, um, where we have all the woodwinds playing this kind of uh, 16th note line uh, in measure three, and then measure four, they all land on a whole note, except for the piccolo, which uh, has an eighth note. And to me, that's a really fantastic detail uh, kind of thing that I think a lot of young composers, especially uh, a lot of people, on um, our music, or our composer uh, can can look at and, and learn from. I think you have a very clear understanding of, you have an idea of why you have the piccolo only play an eighth note there, um, just to kind of add that brilliance of an extra octave and then immediately cut it out um, instead of sustaining that. So you have a, you know, you know what sound you want, you know how that sound is going to, uh, how it's going to work. Um, so really brilliant little detail like that, and your piece is full of those things. I would say, you know, all, overall, you have your, your two melodies, your two, your two themes are, I think, very effective, and they, they play off of each other very nicely. Um, you have, you know, overall, it's a pretty pleasant, I would say, on, on the ear. There are some definite uh, tensions and dissonances, but they are... Uh, tastefully done so that they're not going to stand out, right? It's going to kind of add some color to what you're doing. Um, I really love how 
uh, you use your auxiliary instruments like, you know, contrabass clarinet, contrabassoon. They're not acting like, well, this is just another bassoon or another clarinet or piccolo. It's not just another flute, which is something I see pretty frequently from young composers. They don't think about the fact that these auxiliary instruments exist separate. You know, they're related to their, their print, you know, primary instrument, but they have their own things that they can do well. Yeah, and I don't know. I think uh, that you did a really nice job of capturing uh, some of the, the you know, expectation and joy. It, it, not that I know what it's like to have a, it, my, you know, my first child being born, but a, I imagine, um, what I can imagine that feel like I think you do a really nice job of capturing that. So, you know, again, really overall, a very um, mature, refined uh, composition here. And, you know, it's pretty condensed, too. We've got all this stuff going on in, like, what, four and a half-ish minutes. So you, you are definitely in control of what you are doing. So there's a few, a few questions I would have, or have you, um, some things that maybe, you know, you can, you can think about to incorporate or not. My, my first question is, so you, you're calling for a pretty uh, large wind, set, wind ensemble here. Uh, you've got not only, you know, bassoon, which is probably not going to be present in a ton of schools, uh, especially especially anything less than high school, probably not in a lot of high schools either. We've got contrabassoon and not only bass clarinet, which is standard, but contrabass clarinet. Um, so a question I would ask is, do you think um, that the forces that you're calling for are going to make it harder for this piece to be performed, whether in an academic setting or in a, um, you know, I guess, community band setting or professional wind ensemble setting. Professional wind ensemble wouldn't be an issue. But yeah, you know, I would just consider that, you know, maybe that may, may make it more difficult for these things to be performed, this piece to be performed. I would, uh, on the same, uh, you know, line of thought, um, you obviously you have piccolo, um, but your auxiliary instruments tend to be on the lower end, right? Contrabass, clarinet, contrabassoon. And I, I'm just wondering, right, this is obviously pretty bright work, whether that kind of darkness, heaviness in the low end is going to kind of cut down on some of the, the brightness that, that you're going for. Um, it may not, the, you know, it, I think that's, that's may, also might depend on the players that you have playing it, but it's something, something to think about. Okay, maybe the, the biggest uh, question I have is, um, how many horn players do you intend to be playing this? Uh, you write horn one and horn two, and uh, it's not it's not clear to me whether whether you want you know one horn player on horn one and one player on horn two, so we have two two French horns, uh, or whether you want that to be like uh, two many sections. Um, I think the way you write, at least uh, to me, at least it suggests that you want one player on a part, and it looks like it's roughly that way for pretty much every instrument, one one player on a part. Although obviously in, in an academic setting you would have more, but I would I would consider whether if, if you do only if you're only thinking one person on a part, whether two horns are really going to cut it. Um, that wouldn't probably be to me um, in, a, in a you know more professional uh, higher end ensemble. Uh, probably normally you're going to have four horn parts and probably four horn players. If, if you're thinking of sections, 
you know, multiple players on horn one and horn two, then you don't have to think about that. But I would think that if you have one on a part, you may want to think about having four horns. Um, and and if you do only want, you know, if you if you want sections, think about whether, marking whether um, some lines should be solo or unison. Uh, okay, with the horns in particular. Yeah. So th those are like some some questions I would uh, ha have you think about, um, and and a few other things that these are kind of you know matters of, of preference and style. But I think it's uh, good good to point out also for our our audience, uh, and I definitely urge you to go listen to this uh, whole work. Um, support Patrick in any way you can. Listen to his, you know, look, look at his channel. Um, and it, you can also, I would definitely, you know, look at this piece, um, whether you want to write for wind ensemble or not, if you are a, a aspiring composer. There's a lot of really fantastic stuff going on here. Um, but some, some, some things that, uh, stood out to me. Uh, so in general, you have a lot of imitation with what you're doing, kind of like like theme A, and the, in part of the ensemble, theme A, the next measure in a different part of the ensemble, theme A again in the first part, theme A in, you know, in, in the, the second group again. Um, a lot of that kind of uh, quasi-canonic imitation. And I think that adds a little bit of a sense of stasis in some some places, um, not not in a, in a in a you know in a bad sense, but uh, it's not like this is not a piece that's about development of ideas. It's kind of like idea, and I'm going to keep you know repeating that idea, um, that sort of thing. So you know that's something to keep in mind if you're going to listen to this. Um, it's not a piece where we're going to like think about how we work out and develop ideas. For me, some of the transitions are really abrupt. And I think in some of the comments, some people mentioned this to you, you know, you said that you like that, um, which, which is totally fine. If you like some of these abrupt transitions, stick with them. Um, I would just point out that they, they feel abrupt to me. And you, know, you can like that or not like it. Personally, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot recently with um, class I'm in, which is doing really, really in-depth analysis of some of Beethoven's uh, string quartets. And you know, Beethoven is the composer of really jarring contrasts and transitions. So it's a question for me. I know I mentioned this on, I think maybe maybe the last review I did that, or one before that, where that I I think that transitions, making transitions sound organic is a you know big priority for me and also a really challenging thing. Um, but sometimes we don't have to be organic. So you know, if you if you like it the way it is. That's that's awesome. If you didn't intend them to be abrupt, they, they, some of them do feel abrupt to me. You have a lot of uh, pairings of the woodwinds uh, that you repeat. Um, so you know, that's, again, you have a good sense of uh, what those pairings are going to sound like. Um, you have one really tricky one though, where you have um, euphonium, clarinet, one, and piccolo. And I'm I'm just going to say from from experience. That is going to be very hard to keep that in tune. Uh, it kind of is a little reminiscent of um, the end of uh, the last movement of the um, Holst uh, second suite. Uh, I'm sure you know what that is, uh, what I'm referring to, where we have the um, tuba solo and the piccolo, tuba and piccolo not playing in unison, but kind of playing off of each other. Um, and I, I just 
I played it many times. I just performed it, uh, played piccolo solo on it at my last concert a while ago. And that is as tricky with the intonation between lo, you know low and high, um, but it, it's an interesting uh, pairing. And again, if you're looking at wind orchestration, this is a good good piece to kind of think you know look, look at and think about what these kind of combinations sound like. Yeah, two more things, quick quickly. I think in some of these pairings, though, that you have, um, I don't know, my ears want some more, like, a little bit more harmony, honestly, instead of just uh, unison and octave lines. It's a ma matter of taste. But some some of these, you know, uh, especially when we're doing kind of like, like, the, like I said, that quasi-canonic stuff, like theme in, you know, pairing, theme in another pairing, theme again. Some of me, some my ear kind of wants a little bit of like harmony between some of those pairings. Um, so again, totally up to you, but uh, my ear kind of wants that. And I really like this uh, idea that you have. I will let's see what measure. I think it's uh, measure eighteen. You have these kind of uh, running sixteenth uh, notes between. You know, we go through the um, the ensemble, um, and it happens in one other spot. But to me, that's a really interesting idea. I would love to like hear a little bit, see a little bit more of that developed um, instead of just those two measures. Again, personal personal preference, but I think that's a really interesting idea that could add some more dimension to what's going on melodically. And finally, the last thing I would say on the notation front, it's kind of a, a personal preference. You have a lot of um, strings of like when you have a uh, you know long series of notes that are all accented. Um, on the page, it kind of looks a little bit, a little clutter, from, I think, from the uh, conductor's perspective. If you have all of these accents right next to each other, um, I, I'm sure you, you know you, you know this, but I would consider, you know, doing a couple accents and saying, you know, sempre, right? Something or, or same, whatever, whatever, simile, whatever, uh, you know, language you you want to use or indication is. Everything after that is accented. I think it might make it a little bit a little bit easier on the eye. Overall, really fantastic uh, work. Like I said, it's it's pretty mature, condensed artistic statement of uh, pretty deep uh, thematic uh, meaning. But uh, you know, so really really great job. You have you know great control of what you are doing. Um, and I know this is like I said a little bit different than some of the stuff we, we normally talk about. Um, you're writing from a different, uh, totally different uh, kind of world, both in terms of the ensemble you're writing for um, and, and the kinds of uh, performance opportunities you're looking for um, than the other composers I think we've had on our show. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, good, good, to, good to kind of have that uh, little bit of a, a difference in, in what we're talking about. So really, really great job. Uh, hopefully you get this performed. Yeah, and uh, to cap it off, uh, producer wife Stephanie England Nestor says, uh, uh, "Really enjoyed hearing this piece, and it actually made sense when you mentioned his son was his inspiration. Definitely felt grand in a loving family-like way. I'm not a music person by any means, but for some reason, it made me think of Disney's Fantasia, and some childhood memories came back. No idea why that association, but again, really enjoyed this. There we go." <laughs> And uh, I gotta say, I enjoyed it as well. Now, I have one question though. With the length, is that like a? It sounds like pretty. It was four minutes at four and a half minutes or something like that. Is that like a normal length for like a 
performance piece for like a community band or something like that? Uh, I I think it really varies. Um, I think that's probably a good standard one. But you know, band when bands have I don't want to say more diversity in the kinds of things that they do in their programming, but they tend to be a little bit more adventurous and do shorter things than orchestras do. So I think that's totally within the you know normal bar the ballpark of, of normal uh, lengths. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, if you want to check out any of his stuff, uh, his the link to his the this piece is actually in the chat. It's also in the description down below. And then if you click that, his channel's there as well, and you can check out any of his other stuff. But if you do that, tell him that we sent him sent we sent you to him. That's what I meant to say. And uh, yeah, we just uh, let us know what you think if you see this as well uh, later. Uh, let us know what you think of this segment. Yeah, and. Uh, thanks again, Patrick, for uh, letting us play and talk about your piece. Look, tell a man no trouble. I don't want beef, man. I just want vibes. Big man like me, no need for the telephone hype. I got too much getting online. One rule, then dead I'm on sight. Wrong move, I bet they gon' ride. No need for the telephone hype, nah. No need for the snoozing. Big whip outside, I'm cruising. Big stick inside, no losing. Better watch out for the snake and Judas's. Don't ask them who this is. I bet they know what I'm moving in. I bet I show it into a dim. How you hate and then lose again? How you hating my vibes? Why you wasting my time? Getting hype on my line. Tell a man I don't want feedback. I just want relax. Brand new whip, two tone. I need that brand new hit. You know, like lean back, brand new bits. I live in we back, man. You never gonna like us. Get them on sight now. Let them all light that way. They know I'm all righteous. Look at my life. I'm living all right. I'm nice. You know I'm all right. Cause looking like Christ. No need for the hype or fight or telephone vipers. No need for the telephone vipers.